0: Sometimes when I think about it, I have slight misgivings when I pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. I imagine what it might be like when Jesus comes again in power and great glory. It would certainly change things that I might not want to change. What about my plans for retirement, after all? (laughs) How would the coming of God's kingdom affect the relationships I value? And what would it mean for my relations with those with whom I or we are at odds? I might be content with the status quo, but God may have other ideas. We get a glimpse of those other ideas in today's gospel in which Jesus urges us to consort not with those with whom we are comfortable whom we know and like, family, friends, those we would like to impress, but with the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Am I going to be sitting at the table in the kingdom with strangers, with people who are different from me, with those I might at least initially find disagreeable or difficult? It sounds like it. Both Old and New Testaments teach us to love our neighbors, which includes everyone. The author of today's letter to the Hebrews has us entertaining strangers saying that they could be angels in disguise. This author has us caring deeply for those in prison and for those being tortured. This is not the good life as the world defines it. This is not the agenda that we would set. I'm afraid we're like those described in Luke's gospel just after today's passage in the parable of the great dinner in which the host invites many to a banquet. All those invited are more interested in other things. They're distracted, some by business matters. Another has just gotten married and sins regrets. Of course, the host didn't like this. Um, you see, we have our own priorities So it really is hard to pray sincerely, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That would mean turning our lives and our church and our world over to God and giving up ultimate control or what seems like ultimate control. It would mean mean being open, really open to direction from above. Jesus, of course, is our chief model of this kind of faith, that openness to direction from above, and of the, he's a model of the humility that goes with that. Being fully human, Jesus did struggle as we do. We read in Scripture how after his baptism, he spent a long period in the wilderness wrestling with temptations to follow callings other than God's. Three years later, just before his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that he might be spared the cross, but added, yet not my will, but yours be done. He remained completely faithful even as he hung on the cross. We have uh, the account in two of the Gospels that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that sound, you might think that's Um, shows a a lack of faith, but no, uh, scholars point out that that's the beginning of Psalm 22, which goes on to express trust in God's saving power. And Luke's account, which we're reading from in this season, has Jesus giving voice to his trust in God directly when he says on the cross, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It makes sense given his closeness to the Father and utter dependence on him, that Jesus would teach his followers, that is us, to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. The Lord's Prayer. We do not know how clearly at his death he could foresee the future, but we know he trusted that he would be raised, as indeed he was, and that new life would come not just for himself, but for his sisters and brothers, that is us, who through him were brought into God's family. He could see beyond death. He not only taught us, but showed us that putting ourselves entirely at God's disposal, even if that seems to put us at risk, is the only way to resurrection, to true life, and peace. All who exalt themselves, he says in today's gospel, will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Well, that should make us all at least a little uneasy, because that humility doesn't come natu- naturally to most of us. Jesus and many who have followed him through the ages exemplify and commend to us a faithful life in which God comes first. And in which each of us is part of something much larger than ourselves. And that's kind of a relief that we're not running the show. We don't have we don't have to understand everything. We are not ultimately in charge. We can go forward without a blueprint of what lies ahead, without a map. Thankful that all God requires is for us to be faithful, to place our humble trust in in God's grace and God's guidance, lived out in a prayerful daily walk with him. He won't lead us astray, we are promised, but will show us the path of life step by step. Very reassuring. This can work, thanks be to God, even when inevitably we fail to reflect the faithfulness and humility of our Lord himself. Even when we can't wholeheartedly pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God can still work with us. <laughs> we, can simp- we can simply show up as we have today. We can simply show up being present to God as God is present to us. And God will take us where we need to go. Just turning ourselves over. God will take us where we need to go which may be somewhere we do not want to go or have never imagined going. That's the scary part. But it is always, now here's the, the assurance, it is always, always for our good. As I say, God will never lead us astray. In my own life, this has most often happened, sort of being taken where I didn't expect to go or maybe want to go, It has happened in the context of church communities where I have encountered and gotten involved with people whom I would not initially have have regarded as likely friends or even acquaintances. Take my friend Christine, for example. I met her 16 years ago when, as a rising senior in seminary, I had an internship in a London parish. That first Sunday at St. Mary's Paddington Green, I looked across the aisle before the service, and there she was, weeping. I sought the vicar's guidance as to whether I should approach her. He went over to comfort her and commended her to my pastoral care, probably with a smile. And as Christine was grieving deeply over the recent unexpected death of her longtime male companion, we began to get to know each other. And we, this is the odd part, we remain friends to this day, and in all the many trips to London I've made over the years, I have almost never failed to spend time with her. Now, it's not that we're just alike. In fact, far from it, we're very different from each other. She's a few years older than I, and uh, is of Dutch and German background, and immigrated to Britain as a young woman, in the nineteen seventies, I suspect that her father was a Nazi. Although I don't, you know, don't press that. <laughs> don't know for sure. She has been an actress and model, although I haven't been able to verify her claim that she appeared in the movie A Fish Called Wanda. <laughs> I watched it closely, but I didn't see her. But, but any, anyway, I I enjoy her company in some ways. I do. But frankly, it is rarely easy to be with her. But you know what? I never, the night before I fly back to America, I never fail to call her. She'd be very disappointed. <laughs> and, and it would, there would be something missing for me too. So through the years, she's been supportive of me and she has drawn me into her ministry of caring for the elderly, including Peggy, a member of the parish with no close family who now resides in an assisted living facility. A character in her own right, Peggy, is a jolly, plain spoken, 89 year old Englishwoman who never married and who I suspect has lived a little on the wild side over the years. So you see what company God can get you into. Uh, it's really a good thing, but you know, un- something unexpected, and who would have dreamed that 16 years later I'd still be in close contact? You see, God takes us where we need to go if we are open to it. We might never dream of that, but God, it may be in, in God's mind, God works powerfully through the church and in other ways to stretch our boundaries. So uh, to, to bring us into fellowship with people beyond the circle of those who are like us, with whom we are comfortable, we have a lot to learn from people who are different from us, and God uses them to promote our growth in Christ. That's one of the very healthy things about coming to church. In other words, God uses people we would least expect in the process of, to, put, to say it bluntly, saving us. <laughs> this is a, the church, this is a motley crew that gathers at this holy table where we get a foretaste of the heavenly banquet all sorts and conditions as the prayer book says we may resist engaging with such a diverse community maybe that's why some people are uncomfortable coming to church church can make us uncomfortable at least on a surface level but we are called to be an ongoing regular part of this community which god makes holy thanks be to god god makes holy And which God uses to bring healing and growth to us, its members, and to the larger world. We show up here and at other places where God may lead us with imperfect faith and at least partial awareness of our need. A little bit of humility there maybe. And God does the rest. Just show up. That's the key. God's plan Does uh, often doesn't follow our own script. Instead of relaxation and time spent doing things we would say we enjoy, we may end up spending much of our time and energy, say, caring for an elderly relative or a needy child or washing communion vessels after services or overseeing the church's finances or being active in politics and government or you name it. It may not be in the cards for us just to sit around and read novels and sip iced tea. Although we hope we get some of that too. Jesus tells us that if we follow him and seek his kingdom first, we will bear crosses. Our life will be part of something much larger than ourselves. And sometimes that will mean putting ourselves out there even to the end and not having much leisure. I like that bit in the, in the, the first hymn that, that, uh, that says, No time for rest till glows the western sky. Well, we hope we have some rest, but let's let God be the judge of what we need, what's best for us, what's best for the kingdom. But we choose this way of the cross, following our Lord, because he has taught and shown us that this is what leads to abundant life beyond anything we can ask or imagine. We can count on that promise from our Redeemer and friend who is the same we read today. He is the same yesterday and today and forever and who will never leave us or forsake us. Thanks be to God.